0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise
0: be to thee, O Christ. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. To start, I want to think through a whole bunch of different kinds of asking. You heard that word several times in our gospel lesson, ask, ask, ask. But there are lots of different ways of asking. So there are lots of different kinds of questions, for instance, that you might pose. You might ask, what do you want for dinner? Or, would you like fries with that? Asking about somebody's preference. Then there are the kinds of questions that kids ask in the car, are we there yet? Or the other kinds of questions that kids ask in quick succession, why, 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 why not, when, those kinds of questions are popular. Were you there on the night of the murder? Where were you when that crime was committed? That's another kind of question, more like an interrogation with a bright light shining in your face. Then, of course, there are kinds of asking that have to do with requests, petitioning for something, asking for directions asking for help. Can you pass me the ketchup, please? Asking someone to go to the prom with you, or getting down on a knee, and asking someone to marry you. These are the kinds of requests a person might make. Asking for permission, asking for forgiveness, which in the end really can come an extreme kind of asking, something more like begging or groveling. Would you please? I'm desperate. Would you please help me? There's a whole range of uses of the word ask. All different kinds of asking. I want you to see that this morning because Jesus uses the word ask in two very different ways. He actually uses two different words in the Greek, but it's lost on us in our English translation. So look at it this way. The first verse from John chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus said, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Well, the word for ask there. Is more like question. In that day, you will not question me anymore. You will no longer ask the kinds of questions that you have been asking, dear disciples. Questions like, where are you going? And what do you mean by a little while? And how is it that you will show the Father to us? Show us the Father and that will be enough. We need a sign. Where's the sign? Those are the kinds of questions the disciples have asked. And even at the end of our lesson, you heard what they said. Oh, now you've given us a good explanation. You've answered all of our questions. And so we know that no one needs to question you anymore because you know all things. And that's why we believe you. Jesus is a little bit skeptical about their confidence. Oh, do you believe me now? Jesus says. There's coming a day when you're going to be scattered. Because questioning, questioning has to come to an end first. First. In that day, you will question me no longer, that's what Jesus means, but instead, here's what you'll do, you will ask of the Father, that is, you will make petitions, requests of the Father. Do you see the difference there? To go from being the kind of person who questions things to becoming the kind of person who asks for things, two different kinds of asking. Jesus is saying, when the Spirit comes, when I have gone back to the Father, when the Spirit comes and I have been raised from the dead, you will question me no longer. And instead, you will simply ask the Father for what you need. That's an important change. That's the kind of change that Jesus is working in our hearts. By nature, we are questioners. We want to know why. We want to know how. We want to know when. We want to have reasons and explanations for things before we believe them. But that really amounts to putting God on trial. Think of how it sounds. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, and you say, why should I? Well, he's God, and he said so. Isn't that reason Enough. It's like being a soldier in the army and questioning your commanding officer. It doesn't get you very far to be the kind of soldier who receives an order and says, Why? Why should I do that? Or who says, What good does this serve? What's the purpose of this? Let me see your plans, Captain, before I decide whether or not this is a good order. That soldier is going to get booted quickly. To be the kind of person who questions constantly is to make yourself the arbiter of what is good. Think about how that sets the disciples on a pedestal. If they think they need to question Jesus. Look, Jesus, we will listen to you and we will consider what you've said and we will decide whether or not it is good. A soldier who does that isn't going to irritate his commanding officer and in the end will, in fact, ruin the war. When there's a time for action... The soldier who insists on knowing the reason for the order prevents the action from being carried out, prevents success, prevents victory, because he has not listened. He has not obeyed. Same thing goes for children. Parents are always trying to teach their children not to question first, but first simply to obey. Because there comes a time, there comes a time, of course, when it's urgent. If you don't come when I call you, Then the moment you're standing in the road and there's a car coming and you ask, why should I come? Danger is at hand. Death is at hand. So first, obey. Then you can ask questions later. First, trust. First, listen. Don't first question. That's how Jesus wants us to be towards our Heavenly Father. That's how he wants us to be towards him. Not questioning any longer setting aside our self-made, our man-made religion, and instead putting our trust in God, taking Him at His word, not needing to have reasons and rationales and explanations, but believing that He is good. And so what He says is good, and what He gives us is good, and what He asks of us is good. Now, there is some room with human authority. There is some room for asking questions. Sometimes you have a commanding officer who is no good, who commands things that are wicked and evil, and eventually a soldier of good conscience should push back. But that is hard to do. It's hard to do. But there is some room for that. If there's some room for that with human authority, there really is no room for it with God's authority. God is good. He has never once told you to do something that was bad for you. He has never once given you something that was a curse and not a blessing. He has never once been evil, unlike all men. Job has this kind of a conversation with God. Job lost everything. And his friends said to him, Job, this must be because you committed some grievous sin. And Job said, no, I've done my best to follow God's law. I'm a righteous man. There's nothing against me. And he was right. He was pretty blameless. He trusted in God. He wasn't perfect, but he hadn't done anything to deserve this loss. But it exasperated him, and after a while he said, look, I want to talk to God. I want him to tell me what has happened here. I want him to give me an explanation, and God comes to Job in a whirlwind and says to him, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Were you there when I stretched out the heavens? Were you there when I watered the ground and brought forth Food from the ground? Where were you? God asks Job. When you can tell me where you were in that day, then you can ask me why. Then you can ask me for an explanation. Then you can demand reasons, but you weren't there. It's all a gift from me. Imagine if you were there with the people of Israel and the bronze serpent was put up on the pole by Moses and this is all you must do. In order to be saved, you're being bit by serpents because you grumbled against God. And God says, look, just cast your eyes at that bronze serpent and you'll be saved. And you say, why? Or, as we're inclined to do, how's that going to work? How on earth can looking at a bronze serpent save me from poison? All of this questioning, look at how it gets in the way. How it keeps us from receiving good things from God. How it keeps the disciples from listening and believing and obeying. That's what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to get over our questioning. Man's religion, the religion that James talks about, the religion that isn't true religion, it demands that we know why. It demands that we know why because man's religion makes us into the God. Look, if you're God, then yeah, you can ask questions all day long. And that's what men want, to be God. But you are not And there is a God, and he is good, and so, and so, we do not need to know why. It is enough that our Heavenly Father, our loving Heavenly Father, has said so. It is enough that he has already given us all good things and has promised us every good thing into the future. It is enough, and so there is no longer any need to question him. Now, getting over that desire, that impulse to question, is not just so that you can become sort of an automaton, like you can just become a machine that always proceeds in lockstep without ever thinking. That's not the idea. The idea is this, that if you can get over the the idea that you have to question everything, then you can move on to the more important kind of asking, and that is making petitions and requests of your Heavenly Father. So he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And instead of saying, why should I do that? You can ask, please, Lord, help me to love my neighbor as myself. He says, you should hear my word. You should come to church every Sunday. And instead of saying, why should I do that? I've got better things to do. You can say, Lord, please help me to love your word, to hear it gladly, to thank and praise you for it. He says you should give generously to those who are in need. And instead of asking why or how much, you can say, Lord, please give me a generous heart that wants to love as you have loved me. When you say, How can I ever forgive as God has commanded me to forgive? How can I possibly do that? You can move on from that question and instead ask, Lord, please help me to forgive. I know that it is good because you have said it is good. When God says you can't have what you want, when he says that what you want is not good for you, instead of asking why, why can't I have it? Why doesn't God want me to be happy? You can instead say, Lord, please teach me to love what you love, to be happy with what you give, to see as good what you have called good. Life is much better that way. Not in the simple and ordinary ways that you might think about life as being better, but it is better in this way. Because you and I do not make for good gods. When we run our lives and we have to know the reason for everything and we have to determine what is good based on our own measurement, everything goes wrong. The world gets turned upside down because we love what is evil and we hate what is good by nature. But when instead we stop questioning God and instead see that he is good and generous and kind and loving, and instead ask him to help us, to be like him, to see like him, to receive every good thing from him, that is a request, a petition, that he will not say no to. Remember what he has said about your prayers. He says, look, if human fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give his Holy Spirit to those who request him? Those who don't question, who don't say, why should I need this? What good is it going to do me? But who instead see their weakness and their frailty and pray that God would help them. That's what Jesus is teaching his disciples today. It's what he's teaching you. And the offer is generous beyond measure. Listen again. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That persistent series of questions, why, or how, or when, that persistent series of questions is unsatisfying. It will never be satisfied. But this does satisfy the joy that comes from your Heavenly Father when He gives you His Spirit and leads you into all goodness. That is what satisfies. So make your requests made known to your Father. Learn from Jesus what is good and ask your Father for it. Ask And you will receive. Ask in the name of Jesus, by whose blood you have been washed and made clean. Ask in the name of Jesus, who draws you close to his Father's throne and puts his robes of righteousness on you, so that you can ask boldly and with confidence of the God who created the heavens and the earth. Ask for his help. Make every petition made known to him. Now, the reason why Jesus wants the disciples and us to stop questioning and instead make petitions of our Heavenly Father. The reason is not just so that we do what is right, although that's important. The main reason is this. It's because we receive the gospel by faith and not by sight. It's because the good news of Jesus' salvation for us is not a matter of reason. In fact, St. Paul tells us that it's foolishness to the world that God would send his son and give him up on the cross That he would die for the likes of you and me makes no sense whatsoever. And so, if you insist on making sense of it before you will believe it, you will never believe. You ask God, why do you love me? And he says, I love you because I love you. Period. Can we move on now? I love you. That's what he says. He does not ask you to understand it. He does not ask you to give an explanation of it. He simply asks you to believe it. And so he teaches you along the way. He gives you practice in listening and not questioning, but instead petitioning. Because at long last, what matters most of all is that you put your request for forgiveness and life and salvation to your Heavenly Father and to Him alone. You can ask a lot of things in this world. You can ask your own heart for salvation. You can ask yourself for life and forgiveness, but you cannot grant that request. The world cannot grant that request. No one can forgive you. No one can make you clean. No one can raise you from the dead but your heavenly father, and he can and will do it for you. He has promised to do it for you. So learn from Jesus. Learn from his words, not to question, but instead to rejoice that you can ask for whatever it is you need, and he will give it to you. Rejoice that you've been given his holy name, the name at which every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, the name from which every family is named, the name that forgives all your sins and draws you close to God. Rejoice. Rejoice that you have such a loving, heavenly Father. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.